I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter 1, and we're going to get serious, amen? And we're going to try to have revival. Well, we're not going to try to have it. We're asking God to give us revival. I don't believe that there's anything with a, with a little good sanctified humor. Matter of fact, our Savior was a man. The Bible says he was anointed with the joy of gladness above his fellows. But I believe that we need to get serious when we come to the word of God. Amen. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. And then flip over, put your finger right there, and turn over to chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 10, uh, 16, and then chapter 10 and verse 11. And I want to share with you tonight, I want to share with you tonight the thought that I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. You say, preacher, what is the gospel? Well, we're going to find out tonight what the gospel is, hopefully. But I'll tell you one thing that just grips my soul and just makes me rejoice. The gospel is the good news of Christ. And that good news, beloved, is that you don't have to die in your sins. There's not a single one of us in here tonight that has to die in your sins. There's nobody ever born that has to die and go to hell. Matter of fact, hell was not created for you and for me. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. The people that go to hell, they choose to go there. Brother Mitch preached for us here just a few Sundays ago, and he preached such a dynamic very powerful, very soul-searching, very applicable message that it's hard to go to hell. And I'd never thought about that, but it is. Did you know if you go to hell that you're going to have to go over the prayers of the saints? Did you know that if you go to hell that you're going to have to trample over the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Did you know that if you go to hell you're going to have to quench the Holy Spirit of God? Oh, beloved, let me tell you something. The gospel is the power of God. Here in verse 1, uh, chapter 1 and verse 16, listen to the Holy Spirit's word. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, that is the gospel, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Then turn over there to uh, chapter 10 and look at verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Father God, we're praying tonight that you would just help us to preach. Almighty God, give us liberty tonight to declare your truth. I pray that you'd give your people ears to hear the infallible and errant eternal word of God. I pray, God Almighty, that you give us hearts to receive that word. May it burn within us like it did old Jeremiah. And God, may we be enthused tonight, God. As the brother has said, may we go leave here differently than when we came. And God, may we leave this place, God, with a testimony and a boldness, God, like we've never had before. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but I've done quite a few things that I'm ashamed of. Uh, I don't know if you're like that or not. You've ever done some things that you're ashamed of? Brother Mitch, you want to tell us tonight? <laughs> you know why he don't want to tell us? He's ashamed. So I look around and I see some fellas laughing, Brother H.E., Brother Larry. You're laughing about that, but I wouldn't laugh too hard, brothers. 
But uh, all of us, all of us, we've, we, we've done things that we're just ashamed of. But did you know that what is a hidden, what is a hidden sin down here is an open scandal in heaven, children of God? All of us have done things that we're ashamed of, but there's one thing, one thing that I'm not ashamed of, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of Jesus, amen. I read a story one time about the pastor. He went to visit, check on one of his members, and he knocked on the door, and he knocked. He knew somebody was there, and he knocked, and finally he takes his, uh, he takes his, uh, his notepad and his pencil, and he writes a note. I, Genesis of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, and it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. And he goes, sticks it in the door and he goes on his business. And that Sunday, there's a note that was put in the offering plate and it was addressed to the pastor. And the note read, I was naked and I heard thy voice, but I was naked and ashamed. Well, that sort of fits probably every single one of us in here tonight. I am absolutely encouraged tonight to know that uh, when God does something, he always does it right. I am encouraged tonight that uh, when the Lord calls us to do something, he gives us the boldness and he gives us the ability to get the work done. As a matter of fact, God will never call us to do something or anything that we're in a, unable to do. Amen? Amen? And because of that, or one of the reasons because of that is because we should never, ever be ashamed of the gospel. Right. I was reading a story some time back. I might have been, been in Christianity today. And this fellow by the name of Marshall Poston, he was a devout Christian, and he attended Rollins College in Florida. And one of his professors was, uh, it seemed to be her habit just to make fun of Jesus and make fun of the resurrection and, uh, and to scoff at the Bible, at the scriptures. And one day he just stood up and he took a, he took a defense on, on behalf of his faith and on behalf of the scriptures. And as a result, she filed a complaint against him and he was thrown out of school. Beloved, I'll tell you what. Some of us today, we are afraid to take a stand. The homosexual communities are is coming out. Listen, the, uh, the Democrats and the liberals, they're coming out of the, uh, out of the cracks and the crags and, the, uh, and everywhere, and they're making fun of the gospel and the fun of Christianity. I believe it was Bill O'Reilly. He said that uh, the Christians were nothing but a bunch of Bible toters and Bible thumpers. Okay, that's all right with me. I'm guilty as charged, but it's more than just being a Bible toter and a Bible thumper, beloved. I believe the word of God because I know where I was on the night that the Lord Jesus Christ, he saved me. I know, beloved, where I was headed and I know what he did for me. And because of that, I am not ashamed of the gospel. There's some people that come to church and I tell you what, when the Holy Spirit of God is beginning to move and to stir hearts, it seems like they want to shout. It seems like they want to raise a hand and lift a hand up about that far and they can't get it any higher. But beloved, I'll tell you what, when God gets a hold of you and you begin to appreciate what God has done for you, there's nothing in the world that can keep you back. Amen. 
I wouldn't give you a nickel, a plug nickel for a half a hallelujah. Hey, listen, God doesn't want our half a hearty praise in the Lord, amen? Jesus said, I would that you were hot or cold. I don't want you to be lukewarm. Beloved, when we come to church, and this is revival, amen? Some of us, you know what, we come in, it's out of routine, it's out of obligation. It's almost like, you know, man, I got nowhere else to go, so I reckon I'll go to church. Bless God, stay at home. Watch Gunsmoke. Watch Gilligan Islands. I come to church to praise the Lord. I come to church because God has been good to me. I come to church, bless God, because God seen fit that the doctors hadn't diagnosed me with cancer. I come to church because one day God's going to call my name and I'm going to go to heaven. Amen. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. Some of you here tonight, you've come this way and perhaps this week or maybe just recently you, you had an opportunity to witness to, for the Lord, to be a witness, a testimony for him, but for some reason you were ashamed to do it. But you've come here tonight at, uh, at this revival. And uh, I don't know how many people you invited to come. I don't know how many people you've told about, uh, about the preaching that's going on here and, the, and that your church here, Reedy Branch Baptist Church, is a Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church. Maybe the reason you didn't do it because maybe people would think that you're maybe a bubble off plum. Come on, folks. You're at Reedy Branch, aren't you? I mean, everybody in the church. We're a bunch of misfits. Right. But there's one thing that changes or makes us different than the people out there in the world. We've been born again. We've been blood-bought, and we're heaven-bound. Amen? Amen? And so, therefore, we ought to have some boldness. In 2016, the DNC up there in Charlotte, they said, you know what? God was mentioned to bring him on the bring, put God on the platform and to bring prayer into their organization there, and God was booed. You know, it's sad to say that many circles today that were once, one time, very, very devout, very, very strong, Bible-believing, Bible-practicing organizations, they've turned now and they've turned toward the politically correct community. Many of our young people today, they're being shamed and they're being bullied and they're, they're being, uh, disgrace has been put upon them because of, they, because of their faith. I want to say to all of us, especially our young people, you be bold for Christ. You be like Daniel. You be like the three Hebrew children. Bless God, you take a stand for the truth. You take a stand for the faith. You stand up for God and bless God, one day God will stand up for you. Bible tells us in 2 Samuel, I believe it's somewhere around the 19th chapter, if I'm not mistaken, God says, those that honor me, I will honor. You honor God, beloved, and I'll tell you what, God will honor you. I'm going to share with you three reasons tonight why I am not ashamed of the gospel. The first reason I want to share with you, it brings disrespect to what is expected to us as a believer. It brings disrespect to what is expected to us of us as a believer. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 38, the Holy Spirit says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Let me say something. Christian folks, tonight this is for you. One day the Lord's coming again. And he's going, to, he's going to call us to an account what we've done in this body, in this life. 
And one, one of the things that's going to be right up there at the, at the premier is, did you take a stand for the gospel? You see, the gospel and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ goes hand in hand. As a matter of fact, the gospel is the life of Christ. The gospel, beloved, is the power of God, Paul says in Romans 1.16, the power of God under salvation. Listen, if you're here tonight and you've been born again by the Spirit of the living God, you have no reason to be ashamed. You have no cause to be ashamed. Oh, beloved, one day the Lord Jesus Christ, he was stripped naked and he was hung on a cross. He was forsaken by his friends. He was forsaken by his family. He was forsaken by the Father. But he took a stand for you and for me and his dying breath. He prayed for the to the Father. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He never did turn his back on you. Why should we turn our backs on him? There's two things I want us to look at concerning this, how it brings disrespect to what is expected to us, expected to us as believers. First off, I want us to look at is, the salva is our salvation and our faith. Salvation and our faith. A very familiar portion of Scripture is found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and verse 9. The Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, the scripture is very plain there. We're saved by the grace of God through faith. Listen, you're not saved because you belong to Reedy Branch Baptist Church. You're not saved because you paid your tithes. You're not saved because you put a motion on the floor to give the pastor a raise. You're not saved, beloved, because of your family, because of godly prayer of a godly grandfather or godly grandmother. Beloved, you're saved because you put your faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, what is the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ? The finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, you find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen, that Jesus Christ was born according to the scripture. He lived his life perfectly and sinlessly according to the scripture. He died according to the scripture. He was buried according to the scripture. Bless God, on the third day he was raised again according to the scripture. Beloved, that's the gospel. You put your faith in that and God says, I'll save you. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Beloved, you don't you don't have to be baptized. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to pay your tithes. Now you ought to do those things, but that's not what saves you. Those are the results of salvation. Those are the results of genuine godly faith. Amen. You see, salvation and our faith. Then we see salvation and our feelings. Again, some people think that, uh, man, I feel good. Man, I just felt something. Some people I was witnessing to a fella a while back, and he says, uh, he says, well, I just hadn't felt anything. I said, you've heard the truth, hadn't you? I said, the truth, the Bible says, is what sets you free. It's not your feelings. I'll tell you one thing, that your feelings is the most untrustworthy, most unreliable thing that there is about, about you. You see, on, on Saturdays, I feel pretty good, Brother Henry. Uh, Hilden, I feel pretty good. 
But on Monday morning, I tell you what, it's not, not the same feeling. Because I know I got to get up and I got to hit it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Except for some of those that's, you know, sort of retired. They've reached that stage of life. And I hope your wife puts you to work. <laughs> but you see, salvation, our faith, and then salvation and our feeling. You see, some people, they're, they're sort of tacitly ashamed when you bring up salvation or you say it. They look around and they see who's looking. And then they sort of blushingly and red-faced, they say, yeah, well, I'm saved. Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you believe the Bible? Yes, I believe the Bible, some of it. You don't believe all of it. I believe some of it. Do you believe Jesus? Oh, yeah, I believe Jesus was a good man. You see, they feel good about some things. Even Pete Buttigieg, who's running for, um, who's running for president, he's a homosexual, and he, he just takes pride, and he puts his, his uh, husband, he calls him on parade, and, and they, they just hug and kiss on each other. And uh, even he says he's a Christian. Even he says, well, God made me like I am, and, and God loves me, and men, God, you know, we're like that. And uh, these people that have something to say about them, well, they don't have the same God that I got. They were not saved by the same God that I was saved by. Even, uh, even uh, Jimmy Carter, who, who was once our president, one, uh, one of our previous presidents, uh, somebody was asking him on one occasion, says, uh, what do you feel about, or how do you feel about same-sex marriage? He said, well, I think it's a beautiful thing. He says, I think all love is beautiful. And the uh, lady, she asked him, he says, well, what do, you, what do you say about the scriptures? What do you tell, say about the teachings of Jesus? He says, oh, he said, Jesus, if Jesus was here, he would change his mind. Let me tell you something, my beloved. You'll die, anybody with that kind of theology, that kind of feeling, they'll wake up in a demon's house. You see, salvation has nothing at all to do with your feelings. Salvation has to do with your faith. It's not the size of your faith. It is the object of your faith. You see, I came here tonight and I had faith in a Chevrolet. Some of you say, preacher, you're just, you're cutting it mighty close there. But listen, I had faith that that Chevrolet was going to get me here and going to get me home. But bless God, I got a stronger faith than that. I got a faith that's been proven, it's been tried, it's been put in the fire. And bless God, he stands strong today. The Bible says that one day he's coming and he's going to vindicate the faith of the righteous you see it doesn't have anything to do with your feelings salvation has nothing at all to do with your feelings it has to do with your faith do you have faith in him the one who was buried and resurrected the one beloved that we believe is coming back again you see a lot of people today they don't want you to be hard on them they want you to make them feel good they love to come to church and they love to shout and they love to carry on but beloved let me tell you something that's really not worship worship is an inspiration that is born and breathed of the holy spirit of god if there's not liberty of the Holy Spirit, if there's not a manifest outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you've just might as well been at a country club somewhere. And the churches, sad to say that many, many churches today, they're just like a, a civic organization. They, they have lost their passion for the lost and dying soul down the street. We come together and we, we get, uh, uh, get together like a little clan 
and we, we say little niceties to each other. We pat each other on the back. We, we want to hear the preacher to give us a little sermonette so that we can get back home to our kitchenettes so we fellas can smoke our cigarettes. It's all about our feelings. A lot of people come to church, Brother Mitch, they want to be, uh, they want to be bottled, they want to be burped, and then they want to be babied. That's God's truth, right? But you see, feelings has nothing to do with genuine salvation, and it has nothing to do with your jet worship unless, unless it is breathed and inspired by the genuine moving of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. That's when it takes place, brother. Amen. That's when it's real. That's when, uh, you know, what conviction starts. And I'll tell you what, that's what the church needs today. Need some whole old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction, some purging of sin. Brothers and sisters need to get right with each other. You need to quit having roast preacher for lunch every, every Sunday, amen? Bless God and then have the temerity to come to the house of God and say, I've come to worship God because I love him. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Man, we come to church to worship God in spirit and in truth. You see, See, in the shame of the gospel, we're not to have disrespect, disrespect to the experience, to the, or what is expected to us of us as Christians. And then secondly, it brings discredit to what we have experienced as a believer. Notice what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. He says, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day. You see, Paul here is strongly affirming his personal relationship with Jesus. And it's not just with Jesus. It's with the resurrected Christ Jesus. Paul says that I'm not ashamed because I know in whom I believe it and am absolutely confident that he will commit he will keep that which I commit to him. I want to ask you something tonight. Are you confident of your salvation? Do you trust the Lord in the thick and in the thin? Oh, it's easy to trust him when everything's going well. It's easy to trust God, you know, when you get a, a, a pay raise and your bank account, bank account is increasing, the doctor gives you a good clean bill of health. But beloved, when all those things begin to fall apart, can you still trust him? Can you be like Paul? Paul says, I know in whom I believe. And listen, now Paul's in prison. As far as we know, this is the last letter that Paul ever wrote. He knew that it wouldn't be long that they would be taking him out of that nasty jail cell and they'd be marching him down the road to Nero's chopping block and he would have to lay his majestic head on that block and soon he would be with Jesus. But he could say to, Pope, uh, he could say to Timothy, he said, Timothy, don't you worry about me. I know in whom I believe. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm in prison because of these bonds, he said, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the one who saved me. Why? Because he and I have a personal relationship. You see, what Paul is saying, I, oh, I remember the night when I had a, a personal confrontation with the resurrected Christ Jesus. Paul was saying, I remember the time when I was going down that Damascus road and, uh, and suddenly there was a light that shone from heaven. And I remember when old Ananias put his hands on me and prayed for me and they 
listen, I received my sight. And I want you to know something, Timothy, from that day to this day, I have not been the same. Yo, beloved, let me tell you something. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I remember back in 1978, down yonder in Louisiana, I got up out of my bed early one morning about 2 o'clock. I laid, got down on my knees beside that bed and I prayed a prayer to God and God done something in my life. He cleansed me. He changed me and he helped me to understand that I had been blood bought and now I'm heaven bound. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know why? Because to do so would not only bring disrespect to what I've expected, what's expected to me, but it would bring discredit to what I have experienced as a believer. Have you experienced genuine salvation? You see, one day, if you're born again, all of us will be in heaven together. One day we'll be around that great banquet table and our Lord and Savior will be sitting at the head. One writer tells us there in the book of Revelation, I believe somewhere around chapter 4, chapter 5, you find there that John gives a description of him. He says, I saw him. And he says, listen, he was like a lamb that had been slain from the foundations of the world. And see, John's in heaven at this time. And John later on gives a, uh, gives a description of the beauty and the splendor of heaven. But it was when he sees the Lamb of God, listen, I believe that he sees the nail-scarred hands. I believe he sees the sword river inside. I believe he sees that thorn-scarred brow. And bless God, he realizes, you know what, all those scars there, that's the reason I'm here tonight. Listen, that's the reason I'm here today, because of what Jesus has suffered, because of what he's endured for me. How can I discredit that, beloved? Yeah, I've experienced what it's like to be saved. I've experienced what it's like to be driven by alcohol and drugs and just by the, 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 the habits and, uh, of this world, beloved. But one day, the Lord Jesus Christ, he came into my life through the power and the agency of the Holy Spirit of God, and he delivered me. He gave me power over those things. You see, then thirdly, it brings dishonor to what's been entrusted to us as a believer. It brings dishonor to what has been entrusted to us as a believer. Again, look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of the gospel. I want to share with you two thoughts, and I'm through with this. First one, I want us to look at the might of the gospel. Again, I remind you, Paul said, that it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that will believe. And then in chapter 10, I remind you, he says, the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And then we find the words of Paul again. He said, it is uh, not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. In other words, Paul was saying, the reason I'm in prison today is because of the gospel. And he says, listen, it is the power of God again here. And here we see the might of the gospel. Did you realize tonight that there's nothing mightier than the gospel? All the atomic bombs that have ever been made is not mightier than the gospel. 
the hydrogen bomb, which is more mighty than the uh, atomic bomb. It's not mightier than the gospel. Bless God, O Atlas, the one that used to hold the world over his head. And uh, listen, Jesus Christ, he's bigger and mightier than that because Paul tells us in the book of Colossians, he said, by the word of his power, the worlds were not only made, but they're held together. How are they done that? How did that happen, Paul? By the word of his power, there's nothing mightier than the gospel. They tell me, matter of fact, I knew this to be an absolute fact. When I was in probation parole, we would send these fellows off to these rehabs, these drug therapy centers. Man, they'd love to go to keep from going to prison. Man, they could do more drugs there than they could get in prison. Amen. Well, you shouldn't say amen to that, but it's the truth. <laughs> but uh, anyway, over 80%, over 80% of the folks that go through those secular drug therapy programs, within two years they recidivize. In other words, they get back on drugs. Over 80%, that's over eight out of 10 people. But beloved, those people that fall on a bony knee somewhere before the Lord Jesus Christ with the broken heart and the contrite spirit and call on the Lord Jesus Christ for deliverance and salvation, 100% of them, beloved, they never go back to drugs. Now, I'm not saying that they might not backslide here and there, but bless God, that don't characterize their life. Why? Because they've been changed by the power of the gospel. Jesus Christ, listen, he gives to us the gospel to not only save us, beloved, but to change us and to claim us for his own. We're to be living epistles, Paul said, read and known of men. There ought to be something in our lives that indicates that we are different people. People that say they got saved and there's no change in their life. They didn't get saved. These people that woke up and they're chewing, chewing gum and smiling and grinning, they shake the preacher's hand and the preacher say, what do you want the Lord to do for you? Well, I believe I want him to save me. You know, I'm a good fella, but I believe I need to be saved. Listen, they might as well go sit down. Let me tell you something. When you get ready for salvation, you realize that you're a hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner. And listen, your heart is broken and you come a, a broken individual and you come falling on your knees before holding a righteous God. Realize and that only God can save you. Only God can help you, amen. That's what happened to me. And it happened to you too, beloved, that way. If you were genuinely born again, you see, the gospel brings regeneration, not just reformation. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, he says, if any man be in Christ, he has made a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I don't know about you, but when the Lord saved me that morning when I got up, let me tell you something, I walked out. Let me tell you something. I could see the hand of God everywhere because I had, uh, whereas before I had not seen it. I couldn't hardly wait to get on the phone and call my brother-in-law and tell him I got saved. You see why? Because something radical had happened in my life. I had been made a new creation. I remember... Some of you remember Phil Jones. He and I used to run around together. He was an old drunk, old drug addict. And more when God got him hold and saved him, he became a vessel for God. He would go around the church to church, drug house to drug house, telling people what God had done for him. Whole Ron, John, uh, Ron Jones did churches with us, or these rather. When God saved him, 
Got him off dope. He said he had tried on several occasions to quit. Never could. He said he'd get paid. And by Monday morning, Tuesday morning, he was broke as Adam's house cat. Why? Because he was under the power of the devil. But when God came, there was a mightier power. Oh, when God saved me, I tell you, I got paid. I went to a bootlegger's house. I owed him some money. And when I was paying him, I said, let me tell you what happened. God saved me. Hey, let me tell you something, friend. That's what God will do for you. When I gave him that, was giving him that money and told him that God will save me, he said, take that money. I don't want it. <laughs> but I said, I got something that you do need, and that's Jesus. Thank God he saved me before he left this world, though. So we see here the might of the gospel. And then lastly, we see the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel. You see, people can't be saved until they hear the gospel. People can't grow, Christians can't grow until they hear the message of the gospel. Paul says in Romans 10 and verse 17, he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've heard people say, you know, uh, the Bible says such and such, the Bible says such and such, and it's not anywhere in the Bible. Not anywhere in the Bible. I've talked to people and I say, uh, they'll ask me a question. I say, well, this is what the Bible says about such and such. Well, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do such and such anyway. But beloved, the message of the gospel is not my message. It's not the preacher's message. It's not your message. It's the message of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was made flesh. Jesus Christ, he is the message of the gospel. It's all right to get up here and do a, do a um, say, a dissertation on, um, say, for instance, on, on the last, on end-time events, eschatology, whatever. Let's say go over there. Or theology or soteriology, those kinds of things, not being technical. But look, if you leave out the cross, if you leave out the third, second person of the Godhead Trinity, if you leave out his sinless life, if you leave out his miracle working power, if you leave out his death, if you leave out his resurrection, beloved, you have no saving message to give. You got a message to give, but it's not a saving message. It's not a keeping message. It's not a shouting message. Bless God, I want something I can shout about. Bless God, I want something that when I'm pressing a dying pillow, I can press it with a dying confidence that one day when I breathe my last that I'll meet him in glory. That's the kind of message I need to hear. That's the kind of message the world needs to hear. Not only the might of the gospel, but the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel. Take your Bibles and I'm closing. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 31 and verse 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because... To do so would bring disrespect to what is expected of me as a believer. It means to bring discredit to what I've experienced as a believer. And then thirdly, it brings dishonor to what has been entrusted to me as a believer. And you find the summation of that in Psalms chapter 31, verse 1. Listen with me, church. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Oh, Lord, I put my trust in you. Let me never be 
ashamed. Oh, in this dark, disease-ridden world in which we live in. That's my prayer. God, I put my trust in you. I love our president, what he's doing. But beloved, I'm not putting my trust in him. I love my godly dead and godly mother. But I didn't put my trust in them. I love Brother Hub and Sister Mary back there. But I don't put my trust in them. I love my wife. I love the church. But beloved, my trust is in Jesus. My trust is in him who cannot and will not fail. The Bible tells us regarding his commitment to us. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Speaking through Jeremiah, let me never be ashamed of the gospel. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent his very son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that he died for our sins and he arose on the third day. And then if you would confess him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart, and you must be willing to serve him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.